Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Joshua Beck and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Joshua Beck. Well, yes, indeedy, we are here. I'm Ron Aaron. Along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. Dr. Beck is a WellMed physician, a primary care physician. You find him at 410 and Centerview, the WellMed clinic there. He's a specialist in family practice, and we're delighted to have him on board the new WellMed radio. Dr. Beck, it's good to see you. Thank you, Ron. It's good to see you, too. As we talked last week about heat and heat stroke and vitamin D and uh, deficiency, we said we're going to be talking about supplements this week. And mm-hmm. as you know, when I first started WellMed Radio, Dr. Robin Eikoff was my co-host. And mm-hmm. at the time, uh, she was queen of supplements. She knew about every supplement ever made uh, and went to all of these uh, uh, seminars and courses. And y- you've gone to one uh, mm-hmm. looking at integrative medicine and alternative medicine, it was called before that. Uh, and I was taking a lot of supplements. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, how do I know they were any good? How do I know they worked? You know, well, it's very interesting that you say that because I actually have many patients, you know, and it's really funny because sometimes you look at these patients that will come in and there'll be a new patient, you know, and they'll have their med list and they have like 20 meds, right? But like two of them are real meds prescribed. And I shouldn't say real meds, but they're prescribed pharmaceutical meds. Right. And the other 18 are all supplements, you know, that friends and family and they saw it on TV and maybe they read it on the on the website, you know, that was, you know, and, and, and so it's, it's very important to, uh, to have that discussion, you know, with your doctor and, uh, you know, uh, be able to, to share your, your, your questions about certain supplements and, uh, and see if it's a, a supplement that you should be taking and whether there's really any evidence to suggest that it does anything because oftentimes, uh, for certain things, you know, which we can get into, you know, there are supplements that, that have been shown to not really help. Well, it's interesting because for a while, mm-hmm. fish oil mm-hmm. was the gold standard uh, to deal with issues of the heart, to keep your heart healthy, and then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And now it is again. Yeah. So how do you know? You know, and and, and, and so, you know, evidence-based medicine, and so, uh, you know, through time, you know, you'll be able to, you know, the, the, they will do studies on certain supplements, and, and, you know, especially if there's enough patients that are taking them or there's, you know, providers that are recommending them to do studies to, to, to see whether they actually do what, you know, what everybody says that they do or, or that they help with. And so, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, going off of, you know, at least for me, you know, when I tell patients, you know, I, I really don't recommend supplements unless there's actually some evidence to suggest that it actually works and not, you know, just something you read on WebMD or <laughs> Google you know, or Google, you know, of some sort or, you know, maybe a friend that told you. But, you know, if I have a patient that'll tell me about a supplement and, and, you know, maybe I'm not familiar with that supplement, you know, I'm probably not as well-versed with supplements as Dr. Robin Eikoff, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you know, she's the queen of supplements. Um, but um, I think, uh, you know, as long as, uh, you know, a patient will tell me, then I'll look it up and I'll see if there's some evidence to suggest that it might work. And um, if so, then, you know, then it would be okay to try. Um, I, I do, you know, share with some patients about certain supplements to help for certain things. Um, but more importantly than, than anything, especially if you're on pharmaceutical meds, is, is to be aware of potential uh, drug to drug interactions. Uh, sometimes these supplements can interact with other pharmaceutical meds. 
and, and, and to some degree, you know, some, some of those interactions might be dangerous. In Dr. Eikhoff's defense, let me make clear, she did not indiscriminately prescribe and recommend supplements. She just knew a lot about them. Sure. Yeah. No, I, and I think we all do. And I think some, some of us, you know, will actually share more about, you know, recommending supplements. Now, what do you recommend to patients? Um, but it really just depends on, 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 on what they're on and uh, what, what it's for. So, uh, you know, some examples of some supplements that I might recommend, and, and these are all, you know, based on, uh, you know, articles that I've read where, they're, where they endorse some, uh, some degree of um, efficacy or, you know, that the supplement will help with what it's supposed to. Um, you know, for inflammation, you know, sometimes, you know, like pain. So, you know, patients that have chronic back pain or have chronic, uh, you know, arthritic pain uh, or old injuries. And sometimes, you know, I'll recommend some uh, natural supplements, assuming that, you know, it's something that's not going to interact with other meds that they're on. So turmeric has been one to show. And, and, and as you mentioned, at this integrative medicine course I went to, they talked about turmeric and boswellia, another uh, supplement. Uh, these are all plant-based supplements which have anti-inflammatory ibuprofen style uh, or non-steroidal uh, anti-inflammatory style uh, actions. And so they help uh, with pain and inflammation to a lesser degree. Obviously, it's not going to be quite as strong as the prescribed meds, uh, but those are supplements that can help with inflammation. Obviously, I wouldn't uh, endorse any of the supplements I'm mentioning today to anybody. I, I would want them to talk to their, you know, to their family practitioner right. uh, and, and get their get their take. But that would be one. Uh, you now, turmeric, you, you yeah. mentioned, uh, doesn't that have to be taken or mixed with? either pepper or garlic or something to make it effective? Uh, you know, I haven't read that. Uh, they do sell turmeric as a supplement, and, and so I'm not really sure on that. Right. Uh, you know, I haven't read uh, that it has to be mixed with anything. It's all too confusing to me. Yeah, but they do have that as, a, as an example. Uh, you know, we were talking to, uh, to somebody else a little while ago about leg swelling, and so let's just say you have venous insufficiency or swelling of the legs due to stiff blood vessels, and it's not due to something else like uh, your circulation. Uh, then horse chestnut has been one, and there's been some evidence to suggest that that can help with, with leg swelling as opposed to elevating your legs and maybe some compression stockings. How do you get them off the horses? Uh, you know, very carefully, you know, especially if they have a bad back, you know, or osteoporosis, yeah, very gently, you know. <laughs> if you just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. Our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck, I'm Ron Aaron, talking about supplements and other issues. Uh, and, and before we go to horse chestnuts, I want to follow up on leg mm-hmm. swelling and, and related issues. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it must be a problem because I see TV ads for supplements that help with nighttime leg cramps. Yeah, a lot of people complain about leg cramps. Yeah, and if you actually, you know, uh, many many uh, providers, I would say, uh, you know, will will research, uh, you know, uh, before they recommend, you know, a certain supplement, for example. But that would be one. So there's there's a, an evidence based uh, website uh, that I go to to look, look things up, and they actually recommend some supplements. Uh, prior to prescribed medications for nocturnal leg cramps, which are just cramps that happen at night. And it's common. And it's very, very common. And so uh, apart from, you know, maybe stretching out your legs before you go to bed, uh, drinking a glass of water, uh, assuming that you don't have uh, a problem called nocturia where you pee a lot at night, uh, which, ha- you know, comes from other issues. But, you know, if you don't have that problem, you can have drink a glass of water. Sometimes that'll help. And they actually recommend some supplements. So some supplements that have been shown to help are B-complex vitamin. Uh, There's actually some evidence that uh, vitamin E uh, or magnesium supplementation can help. 
and this isn't really a supplement, but Benadryl can actually help too when the, when the natural supplements haven't helped. But and those over 65 shouldn't be using a lot of Benadryl. Yeah, you want to minimize uh, Benadryl. You know, you want to have that discussion with your doctor and make sure that they think it's safe for you to take and it's not going to interact with other medicines. But they actually recommend it in smaller doses uh, that that can help with nocturnal leg cramps. So it really just depends on your age and what other medical problems you have, whether or not that's safe for you to take. And back to horse chestnuts. Mm-hmm which is used, as you were suggesting, Mm -hmm. uh, to deal with leg swelling Mm -hmm. in the lower leg veins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of times I'll get patients that will come in and, you know, they want a diuretic. You know, they want something that's going to excrete excess water and help with leg swelling. And there are medications that, you know, that can be used for that. Uh, but sometimes, you know, uh, you know, we're limited by other medicines that they're taking or maybe, you know, they're very frail and elderly and you really don't want them to be on a diuretic uh, or they've had issues with low potassium in the past, you know, and some electrolyte imbalances and maybe you don't want them to be on a diuretic or they have, you know, poor renal function or kidney function. And so, um, you know, sometimes the diuretics can be used, but sometimes, you know, for mild uh, venous insufficiency or leg swelling, uh, you know, which we've ruled out the fact that it's not due to a circulation issue. Um, and, uh, you know, compression stockings haven't helped. And, you know, I recently read an article that says that horse chestnut can be a supplement that might might be of benefit. You know, you, you, want, you want to talk to your doctor and make sure that that's something you can take, but it m- may be beneficial. As you look at the supplements that, mm-hmm. for example, your new patients will come in mm-hmm. and well might ask them to bring the actual bottles of mm-hmm. stuff. Which they never do, of course. <laughs> uh, no, I, Why I, are you I, looking at me when you said that? Yeah, I was going to, no, I don't know. Are you one of the, no, I'm just kidding. No, but I will, uh, you know, I will say that, you know, yeah, that's hard, to, hard. That's probably one of the biggest, the biggest things that we have is challenges is to get patients to bring in their med- medications. Now, it ought to be obvious, uh, but why is that important? Uh, for you to see what they're taking, assuming they're going to be honest about it. Yeah, well, I think it's important for, for, for several reasons. One is that we can update the EMR with the medications that they're That's the electronic medical taking. records? Yes, the electronic medical records and make sure that we actually have. Oftentimes, these patients were, are seeing other specialists. Uh, who were prescribing meds, and, and maybe we didn't get the note, you know, that said that, you know, they started the patient on, on whatever med. Um, or, you know, maybe you have a patient that has a little memory loss due to dementia, and they can't really tell you what medications they're on. And really, it's to know, you know, if we're going to prescribe new medications to make sure that those medications don't interact with what they currently are taking. Uh, and, then, and then as a final note, you want to make sure that they're taking their medications. Maybe they ran out of a medication, and you had no idea that they ran out. Uh, until you saw that empty bottle that hadn't been filled for how long, you know? Who, you know? So it's very important, I think, to have uh, patients understand that I know it's a bit of a nu- nuisance, you know, to, to take that bag, especially if you're on a lot of medications, uh, but that's the only way for us to ensure uh, uh, that you're on what you should be on. And you hate to leave them in a hot car. And you would hate to leave them in the hot right. car, exactly, yeah. How, how do physicians, nurse practitioners, providers... Keep it straight. How, how do you know about medicine interactions? How do you know which medicine is going to interact with another medicine? Uh, how, how do you track that? Yeah, I think part of it has to do with repetition and, and schooling. And obviously, you know, we're prepared to an extent, you know, with common medications that interact, you know, and may cause certain uh, reactions. And so those, you know, are kind of ingrained in us, you know, from school and from residency, uh, prior to going out and you know uh, w- working as a uh, as a full 
you know, practitioner. Uh, but I think uh, another another caveat is our electronic medical records prompts us uh, when we add a new medicine, and it'll let us know whether or not uh, it, it, a, a certain medication we're going to prescribe will interact with other medications they're on. And there's websites where you can check that, too. That's we're, helpful. Yeah, very, very helpful. And so I think it's very important to be aware of what new medications are being prescribed or supplements, and then uh, make sure that it's something that's going to be safe for them to take. We're, we're going to uh, come right back to you in just a minute. You're listening to WellMed Radio with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck, and me, I'm Ron Aaron. Caregiving is incredibly difficult and challenging for thousands of people caring for someone they love. It's a job that is demanding and often feels as if it's never ending. Caregivers feel alone and lonely. That's where Caregiver SOS On Air comes to the rescue. This half-hour weekly program features nationally known gerontologist Carol Zerniel and attorney and veteran broadcaster Ron Aaron. Ooh, that's me. And remember... Caregiver SOS On Air, Saturdays at 7.30 a.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, and Sundays at 12.30 p.m. on Freedom, 1160 KRDY. Thank you so much for listening to us on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. And off the air, we were talking about post-nasal drip and treating it uh, with some kinds of nasal sprays. And I mentioned because I recently uh, read the don'ts on the bottle of Afrin, mm-hmm. uh, which is it'll cause rebound, making what you have worse than what it was before you took it, Afrin being a nasal spray. Yeah, it's very funny that, uh, that uh, you know, a lot of people are not aware of that, you know, unless they've actually run into that rebound. But, yeah, Afrin is, is very common. It, it uh, helps with nasal congestion, especially... For those that, you know, have tried the saline irrigation and, and they're taking an antihistamine because they suffer from allergies uh, and they don't have another reason to have nasal congestion like nasal polyps. Uh, and so they'll, they'll continue to use Afrin and then when they try to get off Afrin, then they get the rebound and, and it's a vicious cycle. So it's, it's very important to minimize how often you use Afrin. You know, the, the rule of thumb is no, no more than three to five consecutive days without, you know, several days of breaks in between. Uh, and not relying it on your sole treatment of, uh, uh, you know, of congestion, you know. And then there's the question of uh, nasal spray steroids, uh, like Nasacort and Flonase and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it hit and miss? They're all over the counter now. So the ones that seem to work for you are the one you ought to stick with? Um, I, I would say that, you know, your body can develop some sort of a tolerance, too, to certain nasal sprays, especially if you use them year-round, which some people do because they have year-round really bad allergies. And we do live in San Antonio, which is very allergy-prone, as you know. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who are near to San Antonio, yeah. uh, the biggest surprise, of course, is, oh, thank God it's winter. The allergies are gone. Eh. Yeah. Here comes mountain cedar. Exactly. And so many people suffer through that and have to use steroids and antihistamines year-round. And so, uh, you know, it's important to know that even with antihistamines, that sometimes the effect will, your body will become tolerant to it. And so it's good to change to a different antihistamine, you know, it, you know, if you notice that one's not working and you've been on it for a while. And the nasal sprays, you know, it really just depends. Certain uh, steroids, you know, may help for certain people and, you know, uh, Flonase is one uh, that is commonly used. It's generic. You can buy it over the counter. Some patients get benefit from it. Some don't. And for those that don't, then there's other nasal sprays which you can prescribe or buy over the counter, which might be more effective. And then the other question are, uh, if you're dealing with these kinds of issues, how do you know when to go see your doctor? 
I would say that you know if if uh, you know you've had that discussion with your doctor and then, you know maybe maybe he or she has recommended you know a, a nasal spray or a, an antihistamine and it's not helping you know and you've tried it uh, for a period of time, or maybe you just decided to try something on your own that has worked in the past and now it's no longer working, then that might be the time to go see your doctor because there can be other steps that can be taken at that time to treat, you know, the symptoms, especially, you know, these allergy symptoms. They can be really bad. Uh, a lot of people suffer. You know, I've suffered miserably with allergies, uh, especially, you know, you can get uh, conjunctivitis, allergic conjunctivitis, where you get inflammation I of go. the eyes and they're very itchy. And it's just very, very uncomfortable. And then the runny nose and the congestion and, and, and the post-nasal drip, as you had alluded to, off the air. I find it very helpful when uh, my physician has these problems. Yes. Because it makes him a lot more understanding and probably of what you're going through. And probably more willing to treat you, you know, especially if he, you know, if he understands right. that he's, he's gone through that himself. Exactly. You know? Now, of the antihistamines, uh, you mentioned maybe switching off. Uh, so if you've been taking Claritin... For 17 years or so, maybe you ought to try Zyrtec. Yeah, I would say that there are several over-the-counter antihistamines uh, that you can choose from, and you know, you 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 really just rely on on your favorite color, right? You know, of the packet. No, right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, how uh, else do you pick them? Yeah, exactly, right. But uh, you know, you, you know, it really just depends. You know, your your primary care doctor may recommend you know one over another. Um, but but uh, Claritin, Zyrtec, Allegra, and then there's another one called Sizol, which was used to be a prescribed medicine and now is over-the-counter. So those are all antihistamines, and the same goes with nasal steroids. There's different over-the-counter nasal, nasal steroids, which used to be only prescribed, and, and, and now they have been made available to the public without a prescription, which is nice for those that suffer from allergies all the time. I like the ads for Sizol because... <clears throat> More and more owls are being used in advertisements these days, and they use an owl. They do use an owl. Which is cute. Yeah, it is cute. It has nothing to do with the medication being effective, of course. No, you know, well, I guess they, you know, they caught on to you, right? You you like the owls, and so maybe... But I haven't tried the meds yet. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, you know, people like cute little animals, and so maybe that makes you more prone to... To want to buy that? Are, are they all the same in how they work? I think they're all similar. They're they're obviously different steroids uh, in, in each of the products that I mentioned, uh, and so it's a different steroid. Some are a little more potent than others, uh, but they generally are, you know are indicated for the same thing. Which uh, are the ones you recommend? Uh, so personally, I you know in my experience, you know, and just speaking for myself, because you've had everything. Yes, I've had everything. So Flonase, you know, for me personally, you know, hasn't been quite as effective, and and I've noticed that with with other patients as well. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are patients where, in which Flonase works well, uh, but I like Rhinocort and uh, Nasonex, which you can both buy over the counter. And Nasacort, um, and, and actually, I take that back. I'm not sure about Nasonex, but Nasacort is over the counter. Um, and of course, you know, you don't have to buy the brand name. You know, you you can go to your local pharmacy, and may, they they may have their version of the same thing. Which, Are they always as efficacious? They work as well. Uh, they're supposed to, you know. So they're they're supposedly made to the same standard, and uh, and so they should. Uh, you know, be made to the same standard as set by uh, you know the FDA. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of times you're paying, you know, a few extra dollars if you want the brand name. A lot more. Yeah. Depending on the brand. Depending on the brand and what you're getting. Exactly. Are there supplements that Mm -hmm. can help with these kinds of issues as well with nasal, uh, drip with, 
uh, sinus mm-hmm. problems. Yeah, I don't know any supplements, to be honest, that, you know, that I would recommend for allergies. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, my patients will see an allergist or they're seeing a, uh, you know, a specialist who might recommend some. But no, I don't know any right offhand that would help with allergies other than just prescribed meds, of course. Now, we started talking about mm-hmm. uh, those supplements aimed at the heart, fish oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I mm-hmm. want to get back to that because I left us with the thought of sure. uh, it's on, it's off, it's on. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend on fish oil or don't you? Yeah, so I, I, you know, I recommend it and, and I've seen, uh, you know, a cardiologist or two, you know, with WellMed recommend it as well as a supplement. And so I generally recommend it not so much for heart health. Uh, but I recommend, and I think the, the the reviews there are mixed. You know, some people say that that it is beneficial to the heart, and some people say that there's really no benefit. But I recommend it more for high triglycerides. So when somebody has high cholesterol, and and let's say out of their cholesterol, you know, you can break that down into the bad cholesterol, which is the LDL, and the good cholesterol, which is the HDL, and then the triglycerides, which I usually you know just tell patients it's the fat in the blood, right? the fatty foods that you eat. So those patients that have high cholesterol and maybe they can't be on something prescribed or they don't want to be on something prescribed or they've had muscle aches to uh, statins, you know, uh, which is a, uh, a not uncommon complaint, uh, I will recommend it for high triglycerides. And so that's the reason that I recommend it. And it seems to reduce the fat? Uh, and it does. It can help lower the triglycerides. If you have very, very high triglycerides, uh, you know, it, it, it really increases your risk, especially if they're very high of getting an, an inflammatory condition called pancreatitis, which is an inflammation of the pancreas that's very, very painful. You get admitted for that. You're usually on pain medication and you can't eat until it resolves. And so especially if the triglycerides are really high, then also I'll, I'll recommend the fish oil because it's, it's a uh, non-pharmaceutical, I guess. You know, you can get it uh, prescribed. There are prescribed versions of it, which are supposedly more, you know, they say mm. more pure, but they're also more expensive. Um, but I recommend it for that reason, yes. In the pain category, mm-hmm. kidney stone, pancreatitis, mm-hmm. which is worse? Uh, I ha- I've never had either, so I couldn't tell you, but I would imagine that they're both very painful. But they actually say that, uh, you know, kidney stones are, you know, there's, a, there's an analogy that they can be as painful as childbirth. So I would imagine that those are probably more painful. But having, having not had either, I, you know, I, I would say that they're both pretty painful. And I wouldn't me. wish it on you or me either. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that, Ron. <laughs> as, as we think about all of the commercials on TV, for prescription drugs, for supplements. Mm -hmm. And supplements are are exempt from this because the FDA doesn't really regulate them. They're not uh, uh, verifiable. They're not tested. Uh, Mm -hmm. But on prescription drugs, when I hear a commercial for whatever the drug is, and then all of the side effects, Mm -hmm. which always ends with, or death, why do we take any of them? You know, I, th- that's a great question. I, I don't know. You know, I just know. Because you just, have to hear the yeah. same commercials, right? Yeah, of course. You know, and you always see, you know, the picture of the joyous family and they're running through the park, right. you know, and the puppies there. And, you know, and then you hear it. You, you have the small print down because at the bottom. Because the visual, visual carries more than the vocal, sure. oral. So th- they run those pretty pictures so you yeah. don't pay attention. I think it's really important uh, with medications. Well, you know, many of these medications have been around for a long time. And although all medications do have the potential, potential for very serious complications. 
usually the risk is very small. It's a very, very small percentage. And so obviously you have to, you have to share that with your patients and make sure that they make an, an informed decision. But sometimes the risk of not taking medications, for example, for high blood pressure or for diabetes or for high cholesterol, especially if they've had heart attacks in the past, you know, or they've had a stroke, sometimes the risk is worse. Uh, if they don't take a medication. So some, so we have to make that decision. It has to be shared decision-making between the provider and the patient. And so sometimes, you know, it's more beneficial, uh, especially with some of these medications that have been well-studied and been around for a long time, and there's proven um, efficacy uh, or proven uh, worth that the medications actually do what they claim to do, like lower blood pressure or decrease the risk of a concurrent stroke or heart attack or, 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 or what the condition may be. Do you have non-compliant patients who say, you know, I'm not going to take it? Uh, yes, we do, and 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 and, and uh, you know, we try to educate them and 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 try to counsel them at every visit, and make sure that they understand that you know, if they don't take medication, especially if they're at high risk, that they suffer the risk of you know adverse health effects uh, or death, as you say, yeah. uh, or death, or death. You know, and 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 all you can do is you know, and I don't know how other providers do it, but I tell my patients, you know, I, you know, I'm not a dictator. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to give you recommendations and advice. And then it's up to you to decide what to do, you know, whether or not you want to listen to that advice uh, or not. We don't have time to get into the anti-vaxxers. We'll leave that for another day as well, those who uh, refuse vaccines, and we will talk about that. Uh, And and then uh, we're almost out of time, but CBD oil, are are you aware of... Uh, the uh, pressure on people now to take it? Yeah, that, well, I, 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 there's probably a lot of pressure from the uh, people that are manufacturing it, I right, would say. Right, people but, who are selling it. Uh, you know, I don't know a lot about it, but there are some uh, anti-inflammatory properties to CBD oil uh, topically applied that can help with pain and inflammation, and so it may be beneficial. Bingo, stop you right there. Thanks for joining us right here on WellMed Radio with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. I'm Ron Aaron. We will talk with you soon. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.